<clears throat> Welcome to machine learning. So now I'm looking at A-B testing and, uh, you know, preparation to set up the A-B test, uh, get conversion rates and what the conversion rates do is they allow you to uh, um, calculate return on investment. So as you get uh, as you get uh, better returns on your investment, you're willing to put in, uh, take more money to get more profits. And so that has an element of predictability to it. And that's why it becomes uh, valuable to business. And so, uh, you know, I've been focusing on these key areas, um, general linear models, you know, inference, they, those are like inference uh, probabilities, p-values, z-scores. These are all... Uh, statistic methods to get a lot of value for from your data and uh, um, identify outliers um, and also identify put into kind of a business model presentation where you can go to the business owners and you know tell them what their campaign could return back to them the marketing campaign can return back to them in terms of earnings, and so there's there's somewhat a, uh, a justification feedback loop that is um, occurring with uh, uh, with the um, uh, AB marketing. Or AB, yeah, AB's testing. <clears throat> so, um, there's a kind of a. So, one of the things that the, we do is uh, look at KPI, key indicators, key performance indicators. And those, these are, there are many key performance indicators per company, uh, but it's finding the ones that. Uh, are very important to a company, um, and then bringing that to their attention, because they may not be aware of those key performance indicators. And so, you know, they're moving along, and uh, I was talking to one business owner, and he was saying one of the big problems with new companies that they get started is that they don't understand taxes. So. One, one month they might make uh, $20,000 and then they're, you know, they're adjusting their lifestyle to the increased cash flow, um, but they're not paying their taxes on a quarterly basis. And so at the end of the year, they may actually be short on cash to pay their taxes or they've uh, um, spent too much money. Pursuit of a lifestyle, and as a result, they they uh, they're short on cash, <clears throat> and 
And so, you know, one of his tactics was is to pay on a quarterly basis uh, because, you know, it then you know exactly where you you stand as you uh, as you're on the uh, when you're faced with taxes. And I've uh, personally ran into that situation once when I was consulting, <clears throat> where for some reason uh, when I was filling out the onboarding, I didn't do the tax uh, correctly, and there was an option where you could have them not remove any taxes. And so I was, at the end of the year, a surprise when I realized that I didn't, had not paid any taxes. <clears throat> and so I was, uh, I was in a bind to come up with my money to, to pay the taxes. So for the next three months or so, I had to really pinch things down to, to get my taxes paid. And, uh, that was a learning lesson, and so, you know, it, <clears throat> there's um, uh, Clinton said, you know, it's all about the economy, stupid. Well, it, you know, I don't want to call people stupid, but it, it is all about the taxes. And so, you know, the level of taxes that you're paying um, is critical to your security, and so you're know, being able to correctly plan for taxes um, and not having these surprises at the end of the year where you end up having to pay, you know, a thousand, two thousand or more dollars in taxes is uh, important. So anyway, going back to these key in, in performance indicators, you know, maybe one of those might be if your company is uh, concerned about, you know, taxes, uh, you could calculate, you know, some uh, sales revenue to uh, cost of goods and figure out, you know, maybe a net profit. Maybe you're concerned about net profit and then you could do have another one for your gross profit. So you subtract your administrative costs. And uh, maybe another key indicator would be, uh, uh, you know, a ratio that's showing you how much you might have to pay in ta potential taxes and uh, you know you might have a holding account where you're you're holding money aside uh, to pay those taxes so at the end of the year when you pay those taxes then you would remove money from that account and you pay taxes and, and you've uh, correctly estimated those <clears throat> and so you're not running into the area where you've overspent um, thinking that you have more money because of the ver uh, variations in cash flow. So lately, uh, one of the sayings that I've heard, um, and, I, and, I, and I like to quote often, is um, that if you really want to learn business, learn how to sell food. Because you, you see that whole elements of the retail business there. You have taxes, you have fees, you have you know, labor costs, you have uh, material costs, you have overhead expenses, you have, um, you have uh, administrative expenses, etc. And then you, as you learn how to balance all of these uh, costs and also incomes, 
then you can see how business operates. And so one of the important businesses is the advertising, bringing in customers um, to buy your product. And how do you do that? How do you market your product so that they'll, um, there's incentives to buy it? If you have a good product, you know, what are your incentives for them to give up their hard-earned money to buy your product? Now, you know, it's interesting because um, we saw with the electric car, you know, the phenomenon of the electric car, that uh, people are willing to spend in excess of $80,000 for a vehicle. Now, you might say, well, they, they had bought luxury vehicles before. Maybe they bought Mercedes, uh, Lexus, Aqua, and they, uh, um, and then so when they bought the, the Lexus, they were switching from maybe a Mercedes electric vehicle to a Tesla electric vehicle. So there, there was some substitution that's occurring. Uh, you know, and because of that, the rise of Tesla continues to march forward. And, uh, now with the longer range bat batteries, you know, there's a, a more of an argument that uh, electric cars are not an inconvenience, but that they're, you know, you can go for a long trip. You can go for a, a six hour trip and get to your destination and then recharge and, uh, still have maybe 50% of the battery life left. So, um, the other thing too is, you know, with the increased number of electric cars on the grid, uh, you know, what is the power draw going to be, you know, and is, are the power companies adjusting to the increased demand for electricity as there's more now appliances connecting to the grid and now you have uh, electric cars as an appliance connecting to the grid and how are the grids um, adjusting to that increased demand and um, the other thing that's um, interesting is you know why fuel cells have not become a bigger market because they don't take power off the grid they actually put power back on the grid so they you could have a lot of these micro generators called fuel cell stacks you know putting power back on the grid and offsetting the electric cars that are taking power off the grid so it seems like that the um, a self-sustaining replenishing power source like hydrogen is a better way to go long term and I do believe that uh, you will see a day where Tesla realizes that and they, they make the switch from uh, electric to fuel cell <clears throat> because they have the the framework they have the motors for you know the propulsion they have the braking system they have the navigation and now you would you would uh, add hydrogen so you would add a carbon fiber tank and uh, and then Tesla 
would get into the business, maybe join up with uh, Liquid Air and uh, begin providing hydrogen, high-pressurized hydrogen, to the consumer. Then, see, if you had uh, 25 million fuel cells cars on the grid, that would produce almost uh, 100 quads of electricity. So it's an incredible opportunity to make a transition to a near unlimited power source. And then as electricity became cheaper, because you know, you're not uh, drawing on uh, hydro, um, uh, coal or natural gas or uh, nuclear, directly to produce your electricity, if you're drawing on hydrogen, then you could do things like solar photos, photosynthesis where you have a solar cells that are uh, transforming seawater into hydrogen. So you have an, basically an unlimited source of, of uh, seawater and then that could be converted into hydrogen and you know the nice thing about hydrogen is when it recombines with oxygen, you get water. The byproduct is water, and so uh, it's environmentally friendly. The interesting thing is, let's say you know you go to a a big city like uh, Los Angeles, and there's a million people driving fuel cells, and the car the carbon dioxide levels drop significantly. Let's say you know they drop an eighth. Um, but then at the same time, there's more humidity in the air. There's more moisture in the air. So will Los Angeles then be greener, more green? Uh, we have more vegetation. We'll be more tropical in the sense that it has a higher humidity level as a result of people driving hydrogen vehicles. And then the other question is, is always about recycle. What do you do with a million batteries? You know, uh, do you have companies that uh, disassemble the battery and then uh, replace the parts of the battery that have been uh, depleted? Do you have storage facilities that uh, are handling materials that no longer are usable um, and so the you know there's this question about you know how do you get the um, how do you take care of the battery once it's been uh, 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 de depleted and it's run its cycles Well, um, these are important questions, uh, you know, because they have environmental impact. And uh, just like nuclear fuels, you know, once they're spent, the uranium, they're stored. And, you know, they have a long half-life. What, what happens with the lithium battery salts? Can they, can they be extracted? And can they be uh, chemically repaired and then reused again? And then what happens when you can have like 
um, a switch maybe from lithium to let's say supercapacitors where charge and discharge have no effect on the capacitor. So you have the ultra capacitor. And now you have cars that can, you know, charge and discharge up to a trillion times and you know and not have any problems so that you know the, it's just a wear and tear on the vehicle like uh, you know tires and uh, motors things like that that might uh, wear out but the the capacitor itself doesn't wear out and so you know what happens when you have that level of reliability and usability you know so those are important questions to um, consider in the future as we look at uh, as we look at energy and you know we're we're attempting to uh, um, build the future so in some ways you might say well the future is already here you know we have electric cars and we have fuel cell cars and but we don't have you know large amounts of uh, off-grid power generation but um, maybe the rise of solar is the next best th big thing because um, you know the government now is pushing environmental and uh, China's you know pushing for solar and wanting their companies that are building solar to um, mass produce in America for mass American consumers.